Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Jenna Berry with Catalyst Mentoring. After creating a mentoring program for schools in Redding, California, COVID hit. She had to pivot the program. (laughs) Jenna has a podcast that will benefit any mentor. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you. So what led you to make a mentoring program? It's kind of a a weird long story, but I went back to school to become a social worker. I was getting my bachelor's degree. I had mentored through some programs here in my area in Shasta. I had mentored back in high school through the Big Brother Big Sister program. I knew the impact. I loved the feeling of being a mentor. I had experienced it in my own life as well, having been mentored by people through 4-H and through different things. And so I was with a program down here called Exodus Farms, and we work with horses and kids. And I just loved it. And and then when I we started adopting and I started going back to school, I had to take a step back from it. And then when I was in the process of going back to school, I needed to take a class about community organizing. And so in that class, we had to kind of shadow somebody within our community that was doing community organizing. And I met with Aaron Hayes here in um, Shasta and Reading, and he was creating Catalyst Mentoring. And Catalyst Mentoring at the time was a community organization that pulled together all of the nonprofits that did mentoring in our area and like pulled them together and helped them figure out and troubleshoot things that were going on. So one of the main things that was a struggle was training mentors and figuring out background checks and figuring out the systems that went behind these mentoring programs. And so Aaron's focus was really on that, but he kept getting approached by schools talking about like, we want mentors here on our campus. And here in Reading, that's not something we had available. We didn't have a big brother, big sister program. We didn't have some of these other things. I went to meetings with Aaron at the schools and I I was like, we could build this. We could do this. this." And I had all these fun ideas. And so Aaron and I started meeting and Aaron actually ended up pulling me in with Catalyst and we started building these school programs. I knew the impact that mentoring had on my life. I knew what it felt like to be a mentor. And I was like, if schools want us there, we need to figure it out. And so it's kind of this roundabout way. But man, I sure love it. Talk to me about the importance of mentoring. There's a book that I tell everyone to read, The Gift of Fear. The guy who wrote it had quite a traumatic childhood. And when he was talking to men in prison, they said, how come you are on that side of the table? You're free. And we've had terrible childhoods and we're not. And he said, it's because there was one person in my life. Whenever there's one person in your life, that can keep you out of prison. I love that story. It totally filled my heart up. There's so many kids that don't have one person that sees them and knows their name and cares about them. And that is a huge stumbling block. And then the wrong person shows them interest or knows them and knows their name and walks them into these really terrible lives of crime or the end them up in jail. And so for us, our big goal is that these students get a mentor that has healthy life. They have some coping skills and some life skills that they then just show to students. They're modeling just healthy life. It's not like they're teaching them and saying like, okay, we're going to sit down and write these things out. It's really a lot of just when we're talking, we're sharing about the healthy things we do, like, oh, I called and checked in with my husband to tell him I was on my way home or all these things that are just like little 
healthy life and relationship pieces. And that comes through being a mentor. Kids are growing up with mentors. Mentoring.org tells us that one in three young people will grow up without a mentor, which is, it just breaks my heart. (laughs) There's kids out there who won't get somebody that helps them. And, And kids who have a mentor are going to be more successful in so many things just because they have somebody modeling healthy behavior. There's been actual studies done on this. Kids with a mentor are 55% less likely to skip school. They are 78% more likely to volunteer in their community and give back because they've been taught what that looks like and they see the value in it. If somebody who's been mentored is 90% more likely to mentor others and 130% more likely to hold a leadership role, that looks like leadership in their sports team. That looks like leadership at their school, but it ultimately looks like leadership in their community when they're adult. And that comes from a healthy adult showing up for them once a week. And it's the difference between being in jail and not being in jail in having healthy life skills. Because even kids whose families are really put together, childhood is hard. Middle school and high school are hard. And you don't want to listen to your parents. You need healthy adults that see you and validate you and encourage you to like live up to your potential. Now, especially with COVID, kids are really on their own. And we're seeing the article that keeps popping up. I don't know if you've seen this, Jenna, is teen suicide. Teen suicide is on the rise. We're just seeing these terrible, scary things because we're so online and we're so busy. We're all really, really busy. And then you add COVID. Things are crazy. We were asked to not be at elementary, middle schools just because of COVID spread and wanting to be really respectful of regulations and making sure that they could socially distance their students. But we actually were approached by a high school that came to us saying, like, we just don't know what to do. We're literally losing students because we're having to do this distance learning format um, that's hybrid because of social distancing. We only want to have so many kids in the classroom at a time. So we have to modify all these things and people have to be in A, B groups, which splits up their social groups because they do these A, B groups by alphabet. There's kids whose best friend is in the B group and they never see them. So they're losing their social stuff. There's no sports anymore. So there's no outlets for those things. They're not seeing their coaches that they used to see. They're not seeing the people who used to support them in that. And then their teachers are seeing them on this really modified schedule and in between things and all while wearing a mask. I absolutely believe that the masks are protecting us and keeping us safe. But they're also creating these barriers of social engagement, and it makes it really difficult for teachers to engage with students and for students to want to engage with their teachers. They're already in authority, and now half of their face is covered. So you can't see if they're smiling or if they're engaging with you. So students are just not showing up anymore. Suicide rates are skyrocketing here in California our suicide prevention hotline went up by like 8,000%, which is crazy. It's because families and kids and people are so isolated right now. It feels hopeless. It feels like nobody cares about you. It feels like there's nothing available to you. And so we just see this as the moment that mentors are needed more than they've ever been needed before. And it can be done online through Zoom, but it can also be done social distance. There are ways to do it and still engage with students. The school that we are working with saw the value in that and is allowing us to be on campus. We're doing it social distance. We're wearing our masks. We're following all of the guidelines, but we're still seeing students and we're playing silly games with them and giving them a space to like be kids, but also be seen and known. And we see them every week and we expect them every week. So they they know somebody is expecting them to show up and be present. So they feel valued and they feel like, okay, I got to make it to next week because I got to see Miss Jenna or Miss whoever, you know. And so 
it's been a really amazing opportunity in the midst of all of this really sad, sad stuff that is going on. What occurs to me is that as adults, we know this is going to pass. We've never been through a pandemic, but we we know there's a future. These kids right. don't. Yeah, we they're definitely losing a lot of hope because every time things start to look like they might go back to normal, too many kids are sick and the school shuts down. Or they hear something terrible on the news or social media, and so it feels like there's no hope. It feels like things are never going to go back to normal for them. It feels like this isolation is going to be the new future. And that's really scary for kids because being isolated is not what they want. They're designed to be at schools and be spending time together and being social with one another. And, and that's not happening now because even if they are going to school and being on campus, they're being asked to stay six feet apart. They're being put in classrooms and, and sat multiple desks apart. Like it's really designed to separate them, which is so good for for virus spread, but so bad for growing kids that need those social engagements. On the other side of that too, something that we live in this era of, we've heard about school shootings, we've heard about all these things. And so sometimes we think of schools as like not being safe, but so often schools are the safest place for kids. We have so many kids dealing with things you would never even know are going on at home. Whether parents are trying or not, there's things that they're dealing with at home that are scary. And some kids, the family can't provide meals. The family can't provide heat. The family has to work all day. So there's no supervision. And so being in school provides a lot of those safeties we don't necessarily think of. They know they're going to get two meals. They're going to get breakfast and lunch. They know they're going to be warm while they're at school. They know they're going to be safe from abuses or scary, violent people. Sometimes we take for granted what school provides for kids. And so being at home can be really isolating and scary and feel hopeless. So you had to pivot your program. And I love it. Rather than shutting it down, you're like, okay, what next? So we did a couple of things. We initially like really jumped all in on, okay, what could um, online mentoring look like? And we did research on how to play games online through Zoom. We looked at how to do really good supervision on Zoom to protect our mentors and our students. We looked at making sure our Wi-Fi was good for that. We looked at a portal system through another nonprofit. We got all these things figured out. And then we started talking to families to engage the students. And the families were like, no more. No more online. No more Zoom. I cannot get my kid to sit still for one more thing. My kid needs to see people. So how can we make that happen? So as a team and as a board, we kind of just thought it through, like, what are the things that we can do to make mentoring still safe and still engaging in this time? And so we actually had never had an office of our own. We had always like had shared spaces because we were on school campuses. That's where we spent a majority of our time. And so we switched things up and we got an office. It's an open concept. And we set it up like four separate living rooms. And then within each living room, we made sure that kids could social distance. We made sure that we could still work it out. And so we set up a time schedule. So mentors and students are in the office. We're keeping our numbers low within the office. We do a whole screening process when anybody comes. But kids and mentors are still meeting in our office face-to-face. -face. They're getting to engage with one another. It's so impactful. And it's so funny to see like the kids coming in when they first start, they're a little bit nervous. They've got to ask, you know, okay, well, what can I do when I'm here? Who am I going to sit with? What is mentoring? Is it like counseling? Is somebody going to ask me about my feelings? All these different things. And then when they come and they just get to like play board games or do art and share about themselves, 
like they get to be the star or the celebrity and the mentor wants to know about who they are and what they're good at, they love coming. We have groups of kids that are coming in. We have a, one family comes in and that each of the kids has a different mentor, but they come in together and the kids will come in just like smiling and they're like, oh, are you so excited for today? And they're like elbowing each other. And mm-hmm. it's just so cute to like see how they're excited to be here. And their mom has shared with us, they look forward to this all week because it's the one time they actually get to be in person with somebody. They're actually talking to a real person. They're actually seeing these things. And so they look forward to it all week, which is so fun to me that we've still found a way to do it. We definitely have had to shift because we used to do a group mentoring model where it was two to three students per mentor. And we did it in a bigger group setting. So we were all in the same shared space. And so we definitely had to shift things. But I'm so glad we did that we didn't just say like, we can't do it, or we have to do it online. Because kids are still being like impacted. And kids still really, really need mentors. And they really need that in-person engagement. We've just seen really a lot of success in it, but it took us thinking outside of the box and being willing to follow those regulations and do the due diligence to be able to meet in person instead of just being like, oh, that's too much of a hassle. Sometimes I think people are a little bit not sure what mentoring is. Can you just kind of walk us through? Honestly, like this is how we sell it to our mentors and this is how we share about it. This is how we train on it. Mentoring is showing up consistently in somebody's life. Are you consistent? Can you show up consistently when you say you're going to show up? Sometimes that looks like once a week. Sometimes that looks like once a month. It's whatever you guys have decided on, but it's consistent. You are consistently showing up in this person's life. You're consistently engaging in their life by asking them questions and seeing how they're doing. Mentoring is very often not about teaching. They will learn from you. And also like caveat here, mentoring can be done between adults too. But in this instance, we're working with kids. And so often we think as a mentor, we have to come in and teach them something. So it's like people like, well, I'm not qualified to mentor because I don't know enough to teach other people. That's not really what mentoring is. Mentoring is about showing up in somebody's life being consistent, and then modeling healthy behavior. And a lot of times it's just asking them questions. So often our mentors are like, I'm not qualified because I don't know enough about school. I couldn't tutor them. You're not a tutor. You're you're a mentor. (laughs) And the role is for you to just show up and you showing up is so impactful. You consistently doing what you said you were going to do, hugely impactful in people's lives, whether they're an adult or a kid. Then the next step is having interest in them, you know their name, you know some things about them, you actively ask them questions about something that happened from the last time you talked to them. So they are aware that you care about them enough to remember what was going on in their life. And this isn't like, how do you feel about that? It's like, hey, I heard you went hunting with your grandpa. Was that so fun? You get to be the fun person that's just asking the fun, engaging questions like that. Sometimes you'll get the opportunity to speak into their lives about things, but the opportunity to speak into somebody's life doesn't come without trust. They have to trust you enough to listen and trust you enough to take that advice. And that's really far down the mentoring journey. You have to have built a lot of trust with a person before you're like, hey, that wasn't a super wise choice. Maybe you could have done it different. And the reality is so often we want to tell them to be different, but it's not helpful. (laughs) People don't want to be told that they're wrong. And they already know it was a mistake. Like they're living the consequences. They already know they made the bad choice. And so we teach our mentors to ask questions like, 
did that work? What would have worked different? And so you allow the mentee to be the hero of their own story in finding the solution. They haven't learned the skills of troubleshooting that maybe you have. And so it's not that you're going to like go and teach them to be a welder, but you might teach them to troubleshoot a bad decision that they made just by, hey, did that work? Okay, so you're telling me it didn't work. Do you think you could have done something different? What might that have looked like? And letting them come up with the answers and letting them tell you what might have worked different in their own life because they're the expert of their own life. And so you let them be the champion and the expert of their own life and you just listen and give them space to like process that. And so mentoring just looks like showing up, being a sounding board, being a safe place for kids, but always it looks like being consistent. Do you have some stories? I mean, a million. (laughs) So when we shifted to the office model, we had some kids that were coming in and weren't quite sure about it, right? Because before it was at their school campus. So it was like, okay, this is my turf and I feel comfortable here. So you're coming to me. So the mentors were like the newbies and the kids could be the experts on the campus. And here in our office, the mentees didn't necessarily know this, but the mentors hadn't been here much either. But everybody was kind of on unsure footing. And so we had a lot of kids coming in super nervous and wanting to ask a million questions. But we had this one girl come in. She's wearing all black. Her hair is like dark, dark blue. She's got a black mask on. Her black hood is up. You can see like just the little (laughs) of her eyeballs. She comes in. She won't introduce herself. Her dad introduces her to us. She's like, I'm just here because he made me come. And we're like, okay. She sat with one of our mentors who's been a mentor forever. She's like a grandma. I wish she was my grandma. She's so fun. (laughs) And she's so like her heart is she just loves kids. And so she came and she's talking to her. And what I love about this mentor, her name is Nancy, is that she just is like undeterred. So she was like, ask the girl questions and the girl wouldn't answer. And she'd be like, okay, well, let me tell you about this thing. And so she just kept talking. And then she showed the girl a picture of her dog. In the process of showing her a picture of her dog, there was a picture that her granddaughter had drawn. And the girl was like, oh, I like to do art. And so Nancy was like, I'm going to take this and run with it. And so Nancy just started asking her questions about art and asking her some stuff. And the girl ended up like sharing about some pieces of art that she like really loved and how she wanted to do that with her future. And Nancy totally calmly looked her in the eye and was like, that will be so hard and take so much work, but I know that you are capable of doing that. And I'm so excited for you. And the girl giggled out loud, <laughs> like a little girl. She couldn't believe that this woman believed she could do it. She fully expected Nancy to be like, no, art's not an acceptable choice. And so she started giggling. She takes her hood off. She like parts her hair so you can see her face. And she just like starts talking. And telling Nancy everything. I think that was the first day of her mentoring time. And then every time since then, she's been coming for about three months now. Every single time she comes, she's just like talking, nonstop talking, telling Nancy all of these things. It was super funny. Right after Christmas break, we saw her get out of her car and she's like smiling ear to ear. So excited to be here. She comes in, she puts her mask on and she's like, gets this serious face. And we're like joking. Did you miss us? Are you glad to be back? And she's like, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> we're like, you can't fool us. We saw your smile. And she started laughing. And she's like, I was really excited to see Nancy. And they sat and talked. It was so impactful to me that it wasn't anything like Nancy did. Nancy wasn't like a miracle worker. Nancy just believed in her. She was like, couldn't believe that somebody would believe in her enough like tell her she would be good at something. And that was the thing that made her trust Nancy. And I love hearing those stories from mentors where it's like, it's always something different, but there's always that one thing 
that the mentor will do or that will happen between the mentor and student that all of a sudden is like the trigger that's like, okay, I trust you now. And I just love that our mentors get to experience that. But I love that kids have these people that are willing to figure out what that is and stick around long enough to build buy-in. We think that we have to have breakthrough in five minutes. But oftentimes, like some of the kids that come in here have great home lives, things are great. But some of the kids come in here and their home life is rough and their parents are doing the absolute best they can. And they're bringing them to mentoring because they know it will be helpful. But they also know that the kids have a lot going on. And so you coming in and asking them about their life and showing up every week, that doesn't just automatically earn you trust. (laughs) Like these kids have so many things going on and they have CPS workers talking to them. They have people who are trying to find out information. And so sometimes when you're asking them questions, they're like, are you trying to find out about my family to get me in trouble? It really is about being consistent and showing up and showing your mentee that you just care. It's about them, that you're there for them, not for an ulterior motive, not because of anything. And sometimes that was like showing up and just showing them dog pictures for an hour (laughs) and the kid never says anything. But ultimately, you're investing in that connection, you're investing in that engagement. And sometimes it takes one day and just the right words. And sometimes it takes weeks and weeks and weeks of showing up and being consistent before that kiddos just trust you. And so we spend a lot of time talking to our mentors about that. You have to be consistent and you have to earn the trust. You don't just get trust. You earn trust with your mentee and you have to be consistent and you have to be a little bit undeterred. Like just because you had a a session where they didn't really want to engage with you or didn't really want to play the game that you wanted to play or do the thing doesn't mean that next week you shouldn't show up. It means definitely next week you should show up and try something different. That brings me to my next point, which you have a podcast that kind of supports the mentors. I have loved listening to all the awesome tools that you are giving to mentors, but these mentoring podcasts will support any type of mentor. What if somebody wants to connect with you because they don't have big brother, big sister, they want to start a mentoring program. They can reach us at info at catalystmentoring.org or they can visit our website at www.catalystmentoring.org. We love talking to people about that. It's something that we did a lot of work here in Reading to, to talk to other organizations and find out how they did the things they did. And we love troubleshooting with people, but we have some things that work and we have some trainings that work and we would love to work with you. So if that's something you're interested in, please reach out to us. Talk a little bit about your podcast. The idea behind the podcast was to keep our mentors learning, but also supporting our mentors. When I started mentoring at the organization I mentored at when I first came to Reading, I loved it so much, but there were so many kids and there were so many things and there was always another thing that was going on because there's a lot of hurting kids in our town and in our city and across our country, there's always an emergency and you're just going, 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 going. And then all of a sudden your cup is empty. You're tired. You've been mentoring or or showing up and showing up and showing up. And you're kind of like, I have nothing left to give. And so one of the big things I did last year when I started the school mentoring program was build support systems in for our mentors. So we already had a really great training system where they go through and they learn about mentoring 101. So you learn skills, how to become a mentor, what are some of the ways to engage students, what are some ways to diffuse disagreements or struggles. But then we also talk about framework for understanding poverty, 40 developmental assets. We talk about adverse childhood experiences. And so we give mentors context. So you're not just walking in and being like, I can help kids no matter what their background is. 
we give you tools so you actually can do that. And then once we got mentors mentoring, we spent time with them each week, engaging with them. Like, how did your sessions go? So we would do these little brief check-ins with mentors each week saying like, how'd it go? Were there things that went well? Were there things that were hard? Are there ways that you need support because (laughs) you need more information about how to help this student? So we always want our mentors to feel supported. And some part of that is giving them more tools. And not every mentor has the opportunity to be a part of Catalyst and sit with us each week and get more training. So I wanted to create a podcast that did that, where people could get tools and support, even if they weren't sitting with me and my team in my office. The podcast is just interviewing people throughout our community, hopefully eventually across the United States that have great tools for people as individuals, but also like all of it just naturally goes to mentoring. We last week talked to Amy and she was talking to us about stress and how stress impacts our life. Everybody's talking about self-care and everybody's talking about all these things, but we talked about the fact that kids don't get tools like this to deal with and combat stress and stress will be happening in their lives 100% out of their control. There's so many other people making decisions for kids. Learning tools to manage their stress is really impactful and powerful, but who's going to teach them those skills? We talked about how mentors can practice things like deep belly breathing or setting their intentions and being mindful before they walk into the room so that they can be intentional. And then we kind of shifted the conversation to like, yes, you want to be intentional when you walk in the room to mentor because your student needs to know you're here and present and not that you're worried about the 10 things that happened before you got here. But maybe it also looks like being vulnerable in front of your students saying like, I had a crazy morning and I'm feeling really stressed. I need to sit for one minute and do some breathing and reset my brain. You want to sit with me while I do that? I'll show you how I regulate myself when I'm upset. It's so many tools that seem like just self-care or just like building yourself up really go straight into mentoring because mentoring is modeling healthy behavior. And how do you model healthy behavior? You learn healthy behavior for yourself. (laughs) So we talked about self-care. We talked about the impact of mentoring. In the future, my husband is coming on the podcast and he is a PE teacher and he sees 500 students and he knows all their names and he has found ways. So every single kid feels like they're Mr. Barry's favorite. Like if you asked any kid at his school, like who's Mr. Barry's favorite student? They'd be like, oh, it's me. (laughs) How does he do that with 500 kids, right? And he's going to give us those tools on the podcast because he has engagement tools where these kids feel valued and seen and like celebrities. And that's what mentoring is supposed to be about. And so we're going to give you tips and tools how to do that. And so all of that can be found on our website. We have a podcast tab, but it's called the School of Mentoring Podcast. And you can find it on most of your podcast streaming services. One thing I loved, I'm not sure if it was the last podcast, but she was talking about stress, but she was talking about numbing. And and you said, oh, no, all these things I thought I was doing, calling them self-care, were actually numbing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was every single time I do a podcast, I'm like, I think I'm going to, you know, like, we're going to teach mentors something. And then I'm like, oh, dang, I I just learned something. And that's for sure, like every single time. But Amy was so wise in that people are doing self-care and running from the problem. (laughs) They're shoving the problem down, hiding from the problem and calling it self-care. And then it deals with you later. Like that doesn't just go away. You are just stuffing it down for a later explosion. And And so I really appreciated the thought process behind that and realizing that maybe it's okay to process your emotions when they happen. 
maybe it is, you <laughs> know, society <laughs> doesn't tell us that, but maybe it's healthy. So it was, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I've loved your podcast. So you can find them anywhere you get your podcast, but it's called School of Mentoring. And if you want to check out their website, it's three W's. CatalystMentoring.org. Thank you so much, Jenna. And I, I feel like everybody could be a mentor. It's that showing up. And I love it when you said board games, because I remember back in the day playing games with kids, like guess who (laughs) or checkers. It's spending time and sometimes you don't talk, but that's still being there. Oh, yeah. We love Uno around here because (laughs) there are zero ways to play Uno and stay serious. You have like you end up laughing and you end up having to give somebody a plus four, even if you're trying to be so kind and patient with somebody like eventually your hand runs out and you have to put the plus four down. And then it, like it forces you kind of out of your comfort zone while still being fun. And so we joke all the time, like there's nothing like a game of Uno or <laughs> food. Food is a big <laughs> icebreaker. And so we always have chips and snacks here. And so it's like Uno or chips and you're golden. (laughs) You're good to go. (laughs) Thank you again, Jenna Berry, the Executive Director of Catalyst Mentoring, and you can reach her at catalystmentoring.org. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community and beyond.